Fourth Not First is proudly brought to you by Oakford Thoroughbred Farm, your one-stop shop for all your thoroughbred needs. Hot seat driving at it, hot seat going home the best in the middle and grab the lead at one. Hot seat by a long head to either vintage quarter and Remus is coming back, coming back really well on the inside, they hit it the bobber. Maybe Remus jumps from under the eyeball. Welcome to Fourth Not First, episode six here. I'm Richo, a little bit under the weather this weekend, but nothing can hold me back from talking to these two fellas. Firstly, I'd like to introduce the owner-operator of Healy Bloodstock, and all-round good guy, Russell Healy. How you doing, Rusty? I'm doing good, Richo. How are you? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, mate. And below him in my virtual studio today, coming from a very special secret location that we might delve into a little bit later on, is the farrier extraordinaire, the... Uh, horse trainer extraordinaire, Ashley McKnight. How are you, Ash? I'm good, Richo. Very good. Thanks, mate. That's great to hear. So we'll get straight into it. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. How are things down at the Oakford Thoroughbred Stables? Give us an update. Yeah, it's pretty busy at the stables at the moment. Um, a few runners. Um, after our, our episode last week, Logo Logic went to Ballarat on the synthetic. And uh, he just found one pony faster than him, unfortunately. Uh, he ran a pretty good second, uh, led all the way, ran pretty quick. Uh, but the, uh, the Mick Price runner was a bit strong. Yeah, it was a nice second. Um, he, he's going to back up and, uh, and probably head back to Ballarat uh, Tuesday. So uh, before he probably has a little break, I think. So try and get another win on board with him. And uh, a few more runners to have this week, which we'll touch on later. And then, uh, yeah, just in the midst of the moment, um, I was starting now scan through the Weanling catalogue. Um, they've now moved Melbourne to Sydney. So uh, it's changed things up a little bit, but um, they'll all be in one spot, so that'll be okay. So Rusty and I, uh, we started looking at a few Weanlings yesterday. So that was uh, that was good to get them started. And, uh, yeah, no, we're just sticking along and let's get this couple of weeks out of the way. It's pretty busy. Yeah, busy time of year. And I think we'll delve into that a little bit more in our Road to race, road to a Racehorse segment a bit later on. So looking forward to that. Sure will. Awesome. So let's have a look at what happened over the weekend racing-wise. The Healy Bloodstock Weekend Racing Review, where procrastination becomes realisation. Rusty, what happened? Yeah, thanks, Richard. Yeah, uh... Uh, as I said, we were a bit busy yesterday looking at some weanlings, so I missed a lot of the racing from yesterday, but um, going back over the highlights, in Victoria, we, we saw a couple of spruce horses that went under, and um, they had uh, high hopes for Miss Catherine, and she ran last, so she did a bit of work and she raced keenly, um, but I'm not sure that the... Uh, the lofty ambitions they've set for her are going to be realised. Um, Harbour Views uh, was very short and ran fourth, but uh, they found him to be lame in the near four, so you might, we might forgive that run. He might still go on to bigger and better things. Uh, there was an, a great story uh, with Felicia getting up at Caulfield. Um, Dean Benet's and the owners were told by two vets that they should put her down after an unsuccessful knee operation. Uh, lucky for us that uh, they ignored that advice and uh, nursed her back to health and she's um, 
she's been very, very reliable this prep and uh, has a big future, I think. Um, there's a great story on racing.com about that, so if anyone wants to look that up. And a great ride by Lewis German on Miramar just sees that German train rolling on. He is uh, he's a good young rider and he's going places, so uh, we'll see a bit more of him in the future. He's fine, he. He is, he's, and he's a good jock, and I hope he get if he keeps getting the opportunities he's getting, he'll, um, he'll make the most of them. I was going to say, Rusty, he got left behind a little bit by um, Mickey Poy and uh, T.A. Nugent there sort of last year. Um, but he's really coming into his own now. And he's also got the advantage of that extra claim. So he'll uh, he'll go pretty well yeah. for the next uh, couple of months. Agree totally with that. And and it's it's really important for those kind of guys to, to take those opportunities. And T.O. and particularly Mickey Poy, he's... Um, He's well established now, but uh, yeah, it's good to see those guys coming through. Um, up in New South Wales, James McDonald rode a treble um, on the weekend, which was good for him after he got rubbed out for three weeks for uh, not giving three every chance um, the week before. And should have uh, got five. Where. Um, I won't call him what I've written down on this on this run sheet um, because I've definitely talked him through my pocket. But uh, <laughs> we we want to see him all get give every opportunity and and someone of his talent. Yeah, that that yeah, question marks, big question marks because he's as good as they come. When he but any jockey that doesn't get it right when we're on in the multi, I mean they should get they should get double. <laughs> least that's right they're going to cover it from yeah, us look i have a hard enough time picking horses at the best of times <laughs> and I, I i can't i can't take it when a jockey actually doesn't give me a chance i mean that's geez. right that's right they should feel the wrath of richo <laughs> uh, in uh in wa we saw uh a horse that ash is familiar with returned to a bit of form in the group three strickland stakes being material man he's um he spent some time at the farm Ash? Yeah, spent a bit of time with Material Man um, when uh, Justin had him over here for the All-Star Mile. Um, yeah, he loved the little horse. And uh, he um, he stayed over here in Victoria after that. I uh, went to Pat Carey for a little while. And just probably never really reached his um, his full potential here, here with Pat. And then he went back to the West. Um, not back to Justin, though. He went to another trainer, Russ. And I, his name escapes me at the moment. But, um, yeah. yeah, back in the hands of Justin and his family and uh, back in some familiar surroundings. And, he, yeah, I think he, uh, Justin just sort of, he knows knows the little tricks to him. And it's great to see him uh, get back up and get going again and and, uh, and win another race, um, especially another group race. So he's a, he's a more than handy little galloper over there in WA. Yeah, he went to Jason Miller and he's back, yeah, he's back with Justin right now. Yeah. So. It was good. To see. It was good to see. Um, he came over here with some. I didn't actually see so who rode him, Russ. Uh, it was Paul Harvey. Okay. Yeah, uh, Lucy wasn't back on him then. Yes. No, no, I'm not even sure she had a ride. And internationally, um, Santiago won 
the Irish Derby for uh, Aidan O'Brien and that brought up Aidan's 14th win in the Irish Derby, which is pretty impressive feat. Uh, that's it. Thank you very much, Rusty. Now, let's dive into the weekend's racing in a little more detail with our punting segment. Ash, do you want to do the introductions here? Because I tend to stuff this one up. Yeah, we uh, actually had a listen to the podcast in the car. Rich Owen had a good old chuckle at the um, the plug for Urban Dust. Uh, as we know, Urban Dust Accessories, the accessories we trust. So uh, we uh, have their punning segment brought to you by Urban Dust Accessories for all your fine accessory needs. Alrighty, so let's dive into the punting segment. Long-time listeners, and when I say long-time, the last five episodes, will know that on the weekends, on a Saturday, we like to get together with a couple of other blokes. We have a little uh, punt, and there's a couple of things we do. The first thing we do is chase the multi. It's a team event. We all pick a horse each. It's got to run on the Saturday. doesn't matter what horse you pick, as long as it's not against one of the others in the multi. And we are chasing the multi and seeing how we can uh, attain victory. And I tell you what, after a massive, massive bake last week, um, Fordy responded really well. He kicked us off in the multi at Caulfield at 1pm on a horse called Mystery Shot. And shot it did, it came through. It won that race in great fashion. And Fordy, after uh, quite a few weeks in the wilderness in regard to the multi, he was angry after hearing us uh, just give him a little bit of a roast, and he came back with a vengeance, and he kicked us off beautifully. 11 minutes after that, up in Morfittville, or across in Morfittville, Stardon Lass, which uh, coincidentally was on the plunge. There was, there was massive money for Stardon Lass, so we thought we were a shoe-in here. Unfortunately, that was Ash's tip, and it didn't do much for us. I could um, so could have beaten Stardom last. That's how slow it was going. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it didn't run great. And that's that's what happens with the multi. Within 11 minutes, you can go from euphoria to uh, just, well, who cares, you know? We, we, we were straight out of it uh, almost as quickly as we were in it. Um, before the hour closed out out at Rose Hill, uh, Ro Heron. Uh, was a tip by the Dolphin, and Dolphin just continued his massive streak yeah. in the multi. And uh, yeah, Rusty raised it last week. That uh, ever since we've been recording this, so in the last seven weeks, he has had four wins in the multi in three places. So it is actually we do need to give a shout out to Dolphin because uh, that is that is some good form, and he, he did bring us in with a win. Uh, then Rusty's tip in Morfittville, uh, you're going to have to say that one for me, Rusty, because I, I I'll, I'll stumble over that about six times. Ramavi Vahiro. Ramavi Vahiro wasn't the hero for us, that's for sure, and uh, just didn't salute at all. And uh, much to the chagrin of Ash, I uh, looked at a sneaky in Belmont and, and went with our mate Pike, that we know. <laughs> Ash, Ash has had a few shout-outs to Pike on the podcast. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, a fourth not first there with Mississippi Delta coming in fourth. And uh, so well, no I, one in the, the podcast actually saluted. We uh, are, but at least that, um, Rich, Owen, Rich Owen and I, at least we lived up to the multi with fourth not first. 
That's true. Ashford That's true. was second last. That doesn't quite it's fit. It's still running. It's second last, not fourth. <laughs> The lights are out. It's still uh, so. Unfortunately, nowhere near it this week. Didn't even didn't even oh. get to look look at a cheeky cash out. Unfortunately, and we are still chasing the multi. If we go over to our bragging rights, so this is the second thing the group do on that Saturday. So obviously the multi is a bit of a team event, and we all put a win and place multi on that. Bragging rights is a little bit different. Two horses each. Any horse that. As long as it hasn't been picked in the, the multi, you can pick any horse, you can go against anyone. Um, we pick a horse each, and whoever comes out with the best collect off their two horses for the weekend gets the bragging rights. Now, another shout-out to Fordy, because he was angry. He was angry, and he, he actually started picking horses against myself and Ash just to, uh, just to <laughs> run us battle, didn't it? And he, he was on fire. He was all over the shop, and he, he was on fire, and... Uh, he kept at least... I don't think he actually made any money by beating us, but every horse he picked against us just at least beat one of our horses. So um, there were only a couple that troubled the scorers. Uh, one was 40. Wonderbar came in, and that was at race four at Dooman. Um, and that came in for a cheeky place, so he got $9 there. Um, it really pains me to say it, but the other person who... Uh, got a hit in the multi in the in the bragging rights was Ashford uh, he came in with Paris uh, in Caulfield race five and it was paying it, it only placed but it was a, a, a very handy third for Ashford because it was paying three dollars forty and uh, that accumulated seventeen dollars and there he is back on top and he's just losing right now. He's he's waving the finger. The king of tooting his own horn comes through again. The king of tooting his own <laughs> horn. So, yeah, pretty pretty lean pickings over the uh, over Saturday in general for us, with with only a couple of hits in the bragging rights and a couple of hits in the multi. But um, we live to fight another day, and we will continue Sorry. chasing the multi. A couple of weeks ago, I said after I backed Miss Einstein again that she should get in the sea after the weekend. I'm getting in the sea, um, but I'll be back out before next week, so we'll go again. Does does getting in the sea amount to not doing any midweek punting? Because <laughs> we know how there's that goes. No threat. There's no threat of that happening. I got that desperate today. I started back in first goal scorers at the footy, um, which fortunately it came it came through. Good old Luke Bruce kicking the first goal for Hawthorne. That was great. Yeah. But, um, didn't you have the jockey challenge at Coongartner or somewhere? Kalgoorlie. <laughs> it was close enough. Seriously, Mitchell Pateman was $1.35 in the jockey's challenge, and uh, Kyra Yule was $6. And she won four of the first five races that I was on Kyra, so I'm pretty happy with the way that went. That's a good win. Good pick-up. <laughs> there was only seven races, so, uh, yeah, that was good. But... Um... There's nothing better than chasing your losses and actually recouping them. <laughs> Usually when you chase your losses, you just dig that hole deeper. So, well done. But talking about the footy, obviously uh, I do do the footy multi. And again, look, I think, to be honest, I should get in the seat. Uh, I should just stop tipping because pretty much anything I put my money on, uh, it, it's basically bound to lose. So uh, I, I think you know, clubs and horses and trainers might actually start paying me to not back 
Boxing Show because we did the, uh, we at least kicked off this week's. Rich, are you the modern day kiss of death? I might be actually. Are you maybe? You I know, mean, Harold Sully's. Oh, in fact, oh, in are you the COVID kiss these days? Is it? Are you the COVID kiss? Is that what it is? Oh, oh. I could be the COVID kiss because certainly, I as I've said, I, I, I'm generally okay at the old uh, the old AFL multi, but again, this week uh, we we did have at least one win on the Thursday night because Richmond weren't playing. Um, and we got the, the Western Bulldogs on that one, but then straight away we were out again, and there weren't many other legs that got up. So I'm not even sure whether I should um, should really, you know, taint the listeners with any more multi tips uh, from that point of view. Well, because well, maybe you should just it's it's just going. Maybe you should break it down. Maybe just break it down a bit smaller and just have a, just tip one head to head round cannot lose. Okay. All right, let's let's give that a go. We'll um, we'll have a look. If that one wins, you can have a two-leg multi the week after. So it's kind of like when people try to get fit and they go, "I'll do one push-up today, (laughs) and then I'll do two tomorrow, and then like in a month's time, I'll be doing 30. Let's try that. Let's give it a go. Okay, I am looking at next week as we speak. Who am I going to put the moz on? Oh, okay, okay. There's some there's some juicy ones there. I am gonna go. Uh, let me just see what's happening in the current game at the moment before I say that. Uh, yep, no, that's not gonna work. Um, I'm gonna say. I'm looking for value here too. I'm not gonna go the dollar thirty five cats against the Gold Coast Suns actually. Jeez, that's here we go. Short enough. Ooh. Oh, what's the line there? All right. Um, All right, I'm just going to go. If we're we're not going to go lines or anything, I'm just going to go the Western Bulldogs dollar sixty two to beat North Melbourne next week. Let's let's try that. We'll see how we go and see whether this is worth doing anymore. So that is that is my multi, my single leg multi. Uh, single leg multi. It's a dollar bet. Remember, this is a this is a two bob multi. So we only stand to make a dollar twenty four, but it'll be a juicy dollar twenty four. Don't you worry about that. Um, just on the footy, guys. I tell you, it's um, I, I'm starting to enjoy. I I know. I was speaking to Russell before, and his heart can't take the uh, the Carlton close games. Um, but I'm I'm really as a footy observer, having four or five games a weekend that do go down to a couple of kicks, is whilst it's still scrappy football and those sorts of things, it's a it's lot more enjoyable to watch than than free flowing football where uh, another team just gets trounced. So mm. it's it's pretty good. It's kind of frantic pressure that. These shorter quarters allow them to just go harder for long, well, mm. not for longer, for as hard as they can, and then they get rotated off, and it's crazy pressure, and it does make for an ugly spectacle, but close games are great games. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, it's much easier to get on board. And Ash, um, usually about this point in time, you've... Uh, 
managed to toot the Tigers' horn in the last few weeks, even though they've drawn and lost. I just yeah. wanted to see um, where the glass was half full uh, in the shellacking that St Kilda gave oh. on uh, uh, oh. Saturday night. It's a bit like this. It is upside down and empty. Uh, this is an audio. audio. <laughs> so there is, there, so there's no tooting. Those are no... at the moment, the three of us. The stubby holder is upside down and empty. And that's how the Tigers are going. I don't know what they're doing. They just wow, so you've got nothing. They are out of sorts. They're disjointed. You know, they're just not... They're always such a close team. And I, I think the distancing thing doesn't suit them. You know, they really need to be in hugging... All those sort of. So you're just thinking not a, not enough uh, taps on the taps on the butt. Yeah, you know, pat me ups. But, uh, yeah, they, they are struggling. You know, they can't kick goals. They're paying blokes big money to kick goals and they can't kick them. Paying another bloke a whole heap of money to get the ball. They don't even get the ball. Yeah, I mean, kicking goals and getting the ball are uh, some of the fundamental things in football. So. <laughs> number one and number two on the list, isn't interesting it? To get out. the ball, kick a goal. Get the ball, <laughs> kick a goal. Can I, just, I do see, though. Can I read a quote from Ashford on Saturday morning? You certainly before can. Before the footy? Oh, God. Yeah, well... Richo and Rusty, you both would say I only see the Tigers, but they are still the best side of the comp... Can't be denied. <laughs> True. True statement. <laughs> Can I take you back? Can I take you back to time last year when the Tigers were written off? Does anybody remember? And what happened? They didn't lose a game from there on in and won another Okay, here, here it comes. This... This is the Ashford I've been looking for. So basically, what you're saying now is, whilst right now the team is an upside-down stubby holder, <laughs> you still have full confidence that they will storm home, make the top four, win the premiership, and are the greatest team alive. Is that is that what we're hearing? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the black and yellow coloured glasses. In five days' time, we'll play West Coast. And if they beat us, we are in a world of hurt. Well, it should all start this week uh, against West Coast. And you know what? I'm going to change my tip right now. So if I only get one tip, I've been on Richmond for the last four weeks. And by crikey, they are not getting a victory when I'm off them. So my one, my single leg multi is actually Richmond to win at $1.72. Because that gets us a little bit more money. It gets us a nice dollar forty-four for our two bob multi, and uh, can't not lose. So I, I'm I'm backing you, Ashford. There we go. Where's that game played? Uh, probably Queensland. In the hub. All right, now it's time for a little segment we like to call Did You See That? Thanks to when Freddie met Lily, designer gowns and suits for every occasion, even occasions like we had yesterday on the punt, I'm sure. So, fellas, what have you seen? Uh, I saw something on on Friday at Maruya. (laughs) It's unbelievable some of these camera angles you get at race courses and whatever. 
After the eighth race, the caller called uh, the horse on the inside the winner, and it was called Peyton Place, and you know, the Sky producer picked it up, and they put the graphics on the screen. They went and uh, interviewed the, the winning trainer, and uh, as they're interviewing the winner tra winning trainer, the, <laughs> the, the judge came forth and uh, gave his numbers, and it turns out the horse on the outside called Cassini... Cuccini, something like that. It actually won the race. <laughs> they got an interview the wrong bloke, and oh, oh absolute shit show. And, <laughs> sensational. And, and it happens from time to time with these crazy camera angles. Normally, they wait until they uh, they get confirmation of who actually won before they go interviewing the trainer or whatever. But oh, racing just is great. Sometimes it's great for a laugh, especially when you're having a bad day on the pump. Absolutely sensational. I've got a couple, a couple of little ones. Um, did anybody see Peter Moody's interview at Ballarat? <laughs> no, I didn't see it. Well, unlike Fourth Not First, Racing.com is uh, very much a PG-rated uh, time slot, and Peter Moody dropped a series of F-bombs that... Uh, were unrivaled. Uh, Terry Bailey asked him. Uh, actually, Pete thought he was off air. We're just having a chat to Terry Bailey, and uh, he asked him about his horse in a maiden, and he just said, "It's a fucking eight start maiden. How do you think it's going to fucking go?" <laughs> <laughs> Coincidentally, I actually I think it won, didn't it? I don't know. I wasn't watching. The I'm not sure either. if that was the one or not, but uh, that was it. Was quite funny. Oh, Pete, he um, he did uh, he dropped himself in it. Uh, not backward in coming forward usually, but he generally uh, fairly polite on the interviews. <laughs> so that was the uh, that was my little funny one. For and we know he's your idol, Ash. So does that mean we're going to get some expletives? <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of P. Moody. He um, he I rank him as one of the best trainers in the country for sure. So there you have it. Just keep your eyes open for Ash's next racing.com interview. I'm sure he'll try to replicate the great man and just drop a few F-bombs. Yeah, well, why not? Why Can't not? wait. Tuesday. Yeah. Um, we know that uh, I don't have any trouble laying my tongue to uh, a few choice uh, colloquialisms. <laughs> you just have to picture the Tigers playing and you'll be right. Yeah, yeah, generally, well, <laughs> talking to you blokes, yeah, always been fun spot being in the same room. It's great. Great. Um, the second one was, after my uh, little jockey backhander last week, um, did we see that the jockeys lost the weight battle? <laughs> we did see that. And that weight will not be raised. Oh, yeah. so it is a good thing. It's a good thing. Oh, on that subject, it was interesting that um, I wish I paid more attention to it now. Someone came out and raised the um, the point that you bang on about all the time about the vests and everything and how they actually carry the extra kilo. Oh, wish yep. I could remember who raised not, it. Not only an extra kilo, Russ. They also get 0.4 of a kilo. Give or take on the scale. Yeah, but that it's not exact. It's not fifty nine point oh. It's fifty nine point one two three or four. 
Yeah. Yeah. Pretty close to a kilo and a half. It can over be. the allotted. It can be. It and more often than not, it is. It would be nice. I, the one thing I would like, so it doesn't worry me so much as an owner. You kind of know, like as long as you're informed, you know what you're get getting. But if you're informed, you know what you're getting, and all that kind of stuff. But I think as a punter, I think they should advertise what they weigh out at. I think that there's absolutely no issue with telling the punters exactly what the jockeys are weighing. If it's within the rules, it's within the rules. Punters can't complain. But if you get that, how hard is it to to publicise what the jockeys weigh out at? Put it on Twitter. Why with the allowance? And then you'll have jockeys. But but then what happens to jockeys who weigh weigh out heavy? Well... Just make that the weight with the vest, not 55 plus the vest plus 0.4. And then when they come back, oh, it's actually 0.6. But it's, but they carry more than that anyway, because you've got the, you know, you're not carrying, you're not, they don't weigh their helmets or their saddles. Helmets and whips don't count. Oh, sorry. Helmets and whips. That's sorry. That's it does. Helmets they do weigh. Whips. They do weigh their saddles. The yeah, saddles yeah, is part of the lot of the weight. That was, that was bad. But the helmets and whips and stuff. Whatever they can take off, they take off. Yep. Helmets about five hundred grams. Yeah. So, and a whip, well, not the head. Usually waving around in the air somewhere anyway, so it's not. <laughs> They're probably heavier yeah. now than they used to be. Yeah. <laughs> And half, and half of them drop them anyway. <laughs> Get hey, that kid in Ireland who got his tangled up in the main and and still got bloody uh, suspended for the ride because he didn't ride with a nut figure. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. That's another time, that one. So. <laughs> but no, on the, on the jockey weights, boys, it's time for the, all the jockeys out there to um, stop going through the Macca's drive-thru for a cheeseburger and sipping on margaritas. And, uh, you know, let's tighten up, jump in the sauna, and uh, start riding at your, your allotted weight. Or if you can't, put the handle on. You'll ride it all day long. That's right. Ash McKnight doubles down and goes <laughs> whack, whack. <laughs> we won't be able to get jockeys soon enough. He bloody whacked them all out. Bloody... No, we're not riding for you, you. Nice. Well, fortunately, most of the jockeys that um, that ride for me can ride at light weights anyway, so uh, they're all advocates for light weight. And in fact, they said change it to fifty three, and I'll still eat hot dogs for lunch. <laughs> and the horses have no idea what's going on because you ride them in track work most of the time, and they're like, "Whoa, this is featherweight, it's the best thing ever." <laughs> That's right. I think they forgot to put a jockey on me. <laughs> so last week. Uh, we introduced our new segment called Road to a Racehorse and Russ and Ash took us through the breeding, took us through the different theories and types of breeding and they basically helped us get a mare pregnant. Now we're fast forwarding, how many months is it? 11 months and one week. 11 months and one week and we're going to go on to the next part of our Road to a Racehorse segment. What have you got for us, Ash? Well... Seeming we've got uh, foaling seasons just around the corner, it's appropriate time. Uh, as of August 1, uh, all thoroughbred foals are eligible to be born. 
So once upon a time, prior to uh, August 1, uh, if your foal was born on July 30, it turned one on August 1, even though it was two, two days old. So we now have a little bit of leeway, which is a good thing, but uh, our virtual broodmare has been uh, cooking up a storm for her 11 months and one week for our virtual racehorse. And uh, she's now uh, into the foaling paddock, as we like to call it. And uh, from the foaling paddock, she moves into an even closer paddock near home where we can keep an eye on her. And, and mares, when they're, they're ready to uh, imminently foal, are watched 24 hours a day. We, uh, we don't take any risks with them and we make sure that they are you know, watched and assisted when they go to foal. Um, we're talking generally about a lot of, um, a lot of money, so you know, they're quite valuable, a lot of these foals. So we wanna make sure that everything happens sweetly, just like any birth, really, like the birth of your kids or the, you know, anything. Um, the biggest difference is that the expense on kids comes, you know, after they're born down the track and with a horse it's already been spent so uh, we you know get our foal born and uh, then it's a matter of looking after said foal for uh, about six months on mum uh, and then we wean it um, the weaning process is pretty quick and uh, that's when mum goes away and goes back uh, to the breeding barn again uh, back in the factory and uh, then we start thinking about our, our little racehorse and, and what we may do so this time of the year we start to think about a few options um, if we're on the breed to keep to race front then now our little foal goes to uh, the paddock and he eats lots of grass and lots of feed and he gets big and strong and he runs with his mates and uh, has a pretty uh, free and social life um, or if we're on the commercial front we might start thinking more about um, recouping some of our costs so we could start thinking about going down the track of maybe selling our, our little foal or be a weanling as we would call it at this time of the year uh, in the upcoming weanling sale so that's sort of where we where we're aiming to at this point. Richo, you're looking at me like stunned. You're just like talking about rainbows and unicorns. No, no, you're talking about foals and weanlings, mate. I'm all over this. So what's the definition of a weanling? A weanling is between, well, obviously they're weaned off their mothers, so they're not relying on mum anymore. Um, the, uh, they're generally between six months and one year old is where we're at with the weanling because obviously as, as of August 1 they become yearlings they are one year old so every horse has its birthday on August 1 um, so yeah we then they change category basically uh, they then become yearlings and then yearlings becomes a different scenario again 
um, in our process of Road to a Racehorse. Yeah, cool. So what's, uh, what, t- just talk us high level through the process of the weanling sale. What happens there? So if we're going down the commercial front and uh, we're going to head off to a weanling sale, so basically we, um, in Australia, we generally have three major weanling sales. Um, the biggest of which is probably in Queensland at Magic Millions. Um, most years they can sell anywhere up around a thousand weanlings at that sale. Uh, it's been a great spot for pin hookers and, and things like that. Um, and then you've got uh, the Australian weanling sale in Sydney, at Riverside in Sydney. Uh, this year that will probably be the biggest sale due to COVID. Um, that's uh, had a few changes and uh, you know it's something we can probably talk about a bit later but uh, um, yeah it's going to be this year it'll be the biggest sale uh, and then we have Great Southern in Melbourne uh, and they generally have somewhere around 300 350 weanlings for offer mainly from Victoria some from New South Wales uh, so we would have to select a sale that it would best fit to get your best return. So um, if it's forward, precocious, uh, big and strong, then you might be looking at Sydney or Gold Coast. If it's still got plenty of value, but it needs a bit more time, then you might go sort of Great Southern. It's a little bit later. It's not a huge difference in time, um, but it is the last weanling sale uh, before August, so before they become yearlings. So, you know, as a as an owner, then you, you would be sort of looking at where do I best fit, and that's where you go and talk to your your bloodstock agents, um, your selling agents on where does where does my horse fit with sire pedigree type um, to get the best value I can get at the current time. And so with the weanling sales, what sort of, is the percentage split? Are you looking more at the pedigree? Is it like 60% pedigree and 40% about the horse? Or is it 50-50? What, what's... Probably the general? other way around, really, when you're, when you're selling a weanling, it needs to be a pretty impeccable type to return good value. Um, so... As Russ and I said earlier, we just started looking at weanlings yesterday to, to pin hook and to purchase. So you're looking at a more forward type of horse that can then develop into a yearling or a racehorse. Um, so it needs to be big and strong and have a, a lot um, of... A lot of assets for it physically, uh, so it can then yeah. People people are sort of seeing the article already. Uh, they don't they don't want a, a lesser, bit more backward type that uh, they think oh that doesn't look very big and strong and you know those sort of things. So that yeah, the more forward it is, the better off you'll be. Is it safe to say that in the past weanling sales were? Uh a method of culling 
unwanted stock and it's shifted towards an opportunity like giving horse traders an opportunity to buy a type that they can then go and make some money on by growing it out as a as a yearling is that a fair comment i think i think the pinhook market now the trading market has become much bigger um there's many many more people pinhooking horses um and trading horses than ever before uh so i guess they're looking for the quick turnaround on their dollar um there is some high risks involved because a lot can go wrong in a week let alone six months so i think russ you're right that once upon a time a weanling sale was for use of a better term your your culls you know um and you'd get maybe 10 percent were really nice weanlings that people started thought oh i might be able to get a bit of money out of this early because it's a big strong horse so yeah i do think you're i think it's changed i think more people are uh, they're trying to get a return on their money more than anything because to keep doing this job you've got to keep the income flowing so you're gonna most traders now will have brackets that go oh these will be weanling sales these will be yearling sales these will be ready to run as uh, these will keep as racing stock so yeah it definitely there has been a shift um, probably in the last 10 years I reckon there's been a really strong shift towards more pin hooking yeah. but um, there's even a couple less, of... you do still see them you do still see plenty of culls with, yeah. without a doubt yeah so. but you see you see um, even some of the Decent-sized farms in Victoria have, have shifted completely for, away from yearling sales and just send their their entire drafts to the weanling sales because if they've got the, the specimen, they're getting good value. They lower their risk. Sorry, they're getting good return. They're lowering their risk, and they can reinvest quicker than holding on to that horse for that extra yeah. uh, six to nine months or whatever it is. Yeah, there's, there's a couple that uh, predominantly just sell weanlings now. Um, I keep in Victoria, uh, but Bernie Wang uh, comes to mind. Uh, they went away from selling yearlings altogether and sell everything as a weanling. So uh, I haven't heard, interesting that they will, I presume, take all theirs to Sydney. They were all in Great Southern, so I think they'll go to, to Sydney with their draft. They've got a pretty sizable draft. Uh, and they turn out good quality weanlings, uh, and they generally in return get good dollar for them so um they're doing it doing it well uh that they've changed their model and it and it's working for them so you know not saying it works for everybody but um definitely in their case it does all righty so there we have it so on our road to a racehorse we've got our weanling and either we're keeping it to race and it's out at the paddock just uh having a good social life and fattening up a little bit or we're heading off to the weanling sales yeah, pretty much. It's um, so where we're at up to about August one, and next week we'll we'll talk about when we turn to yearlings what uh, our options are um, in our next year of life. So uh, before we reach two, we'll uh, we'll talk a bit more about uh, yearlings and um, and where they might head and our options that are put in front of us. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to seeing this little fella grow up. 
Have you named him yet, Richo? Richo's runner. Richo's runner. It's going to be a winner too. Don't you worry about that. You're not going to call it the unicorn? No. What's he called? COVID curse. The COVID COVID curse. (laughs) So what's on for the week ahead, Ash? I have a big week this week. Uh, I've got one day, two days of racing actually. I've got uh, Ballarat on Tuesday. Hopefully three runners there. Um, the Zip is back. So the Zip will be going to uh, Ballarat. Blinkers on. Uh, she's had a rider change. Uh, Christine Poole's taking the ride on her. So we'll see whether change is good as a holiday. Um, she's uh, bucking her brands off at the moment. So um, I'm hoping that uh, that transpires into a good performance on the racetrack. Uh, she definitely needs one. Uh, Logo Logic will go back uh, and back up. Yeah, go back to 1100, same grade. He would be pretty hard to beat, I reckon. He he ran really well the other day. If he runs up to that, uh, he takes some uh, takes some beating. And uh, the old boy Hot Seat, he uh, needs one more scratching. We haven't haven't got in yet, Russ? Have we? Uh, not last time I checked. Click click. And um. Yeah, he'll go around the 1,200, and uh, Christine's riding him as well. So a couple of little changes there, um, mix things up a bit. Uh, and then later in the week, elongated. And uh, the rest of the week, I will be head down, backside up, shoeing horses so I can get away to go to Sydney on Sunday to the Weanling sale. So I'll probably spend... Um, I'll get up there Sunday night, and... Won't head home until Friday, and then as soon as I get home Friday, we will be um, loading the truck up and heading off to the Vobus Gold Yearling Sale, where we've got ten to go through there and be sold. And I've also got to get through a whole catalogue to try and buy a couple. So um, yeah, it's pretty busy the next two weeks. That's for sure. Are you going to have time to put in your multi? Tip on Saturday, mate. It sounds like you're pretty busy. Um, I will get my multi-tip in, mate. Um, I'm happy to pick one for you. Well, yeah. You know, there's always that option, if need be. Um, as long as it's a winner, it doesn't matter. I, I shine either way. Yeah. True that. True that. <laughs> and Rusty, anything on for you this week? Uh, no, Richo. Just um, eagerly awaiting Tuesday. Got a couple of runners as an owner which is always fun. Um, one day I'll get back to the races and actually see them in the flesh. It won't be this week because Ballarat's too damn cold. Um, but no, other than that... Uh, and you've got to go in the owner's cage. Yeah, I, I did see some photos on Twitter of the owner's cage and uh, I'm not sure I'd ever get out alive. <laughs> so I might give that a miss, but... Um, no, not much. Yeah, we'll wait for restrictions to get a little bit uh, lighter, I think, yeah. on that front, I reckon. Um, it's good It's good to see owners being allowed back at the races. Um, but, listen, Victorians, let's just keep a lid on it for a little while, shall we? Don't get too excited and let's get this under control. Yeah, it is starting to get a bit out of control now. We did say that you were coming to us from an undisclosed location. Ash, have you left Victoria? Are you worried about this spike in <laughs> corona cases and you've just uh, uh, jumped, no, jumped stage on us? 
No, I, I, uh, I've got, well, I guess I've got close to a border. I've got close to the water. Um, no, we're just, uh, we've ducked down to the uh, Ballerine Peninsula for the day uh, and the night. So uh, I um, just uh, happened to sneak out today uh, on the golf course, uh, 13th Beach. Right, so after uh, losing this slipper for a record fourth time last week, you, you're just getting straight into practice, eh? My passion for golf has not dwindled one bit. <laughs> I still enjoy playing golf, good or bad. Just not playing with us, is that... I enjoy your company. I don't enjoy the name-calling. <laughs> Well, um, I don't think anyone on this podcast is guilty of any name calling. <laughs> no, no, sledging, yes, not. name calling. No, the sledging's good. The sledging's always good. But, um, I don't know. No, I'm just uh, just scoping it out. Uh, we're uh, yeah, just uh, enjoying a nice little night away and got a little apartment here. Yeah, it's quite good. I don't know. Who knows? It might it might become the official home of the little zipper slipper. Oh, you never know, and it does sound like you've got a fairly busy couple of weeks ahead, so no one would begrudge you having a, a cheeky night away, just a, a bit of R&R before all that happens. Did you hit your tee shot, your first tee shot better than um, when we played down there last, Ash? Or like... Yeah, the first tee shot wasn't too bad. I did draw it a little bit rusty, but um, no, I, I left the iron in the bag and I let the big dog talk, and... Uh, I just launched a driver off the first tee, and I thought, well, I can't do any worse than last time I was down here. So you got over all that stuff just in front of the tee this time? Well and truly, past the fairway <laughs> bunkers. Uh, yeah. I had a, uh, about an 85-yard pitch into the green. Um, pretty easy regulation par there on the first. I've always said you play your best golf when there's no pressure and no one watching. <laughs> so it's yeah. good to see you're, uh, you're keeping up appearances there, mate. Um, I reckon that's all we've got time for tonight, boys. Uh, so thank you very much. Remember, give us a follow on Twitter, at 4th Not First. We'll post the multi and the bragging rights tip each Saturday morning about 11am so you can follow along at home. And feel free to reply with your best couple for the day. Gentlemen, thank you very much for this evening. Lots of fun to chat to you and uh, looking forward to next week. Thanks again, boys. Uh, I have a new location for you next week. You will be in the state. Robert. Too easy going, you boys. <laughs> <laughs>